0: Support for breadwinning mums comes from Official. Official knows that relationships are everything. That's why they've built a platform to help couples find and embrace the positive parts of their relationship and establish healthy habits. Official's goal is to help couples experience more together and capture those memories in ways that weren't previously possible. Go to getofficial.co or download official from Google Play or App Store. Our listeners will benefit from 20% discount on merch and lifetime access within their store at whatdoIBuymyPartner.com with a special code BMUMS. That's B-M-U-M S.
1: Coming up next. On the mums, Don't be afraid to fail. We, we're so programmed like that, that we don't want to fail at anything. Sports, relationships, this and that. And it's like, man, that's where you grow. When we're younger, we're so often uh, worried about, oh, I'm going to look dumb or somebody's going to be disappointed with me. And so most people play it safe um, just to avoid those experiences. And it's like, man, I don't want to be on my deathbed going, coulda, shoulda, woulda. And I've learned as I've gotten older, that's like, what do you have to lose? Like, try, just try. But um, there are things you really want to pursue, even if this, this bombed. At least I know I tried and I gave it my best and I pushed this industry forward and I evolved and on that there. It's not a total loss. There's a lot of good to come out of that.
0: The show. I'm Jane Lim. On the Breadwinning Mums podcast, we debunk the myths of working mums, cheer each other on, and show the world that it's okay to be a mum and still pursue excellence in your chosen area of expertise. Today we're chatting with Christine Jansen, a fellow breadwinning mum with one teenage daughter. Christine is the founder and CEO of Etstudia. She shared with us her life story about growing up in the Midwest, moving and finding her place in New York City, and arriving at the pinnacle of her career with Etstudia. Here we go with Christine Jansen. Hello, Christine.
1: Hello, hello. How are you, Jane? I'm very well. How are you? Good. Feeling spring in the air, so all is well. Yeah, <laughs> good. that's good. <laughs> okay. So, Christine, can you tell us a little bit
0: more about yourself, where you started from, and how you came to be where you are? Oh, that's
1: a loaded question, Jane. <laughs> um, okay, so... Um, I am originally from, um, the Midwest and, um, ironically I've, I've built a career around education and learning, but I was not, I didn't stay in step with, um, when I graduated from high school, I didn't go to college right away. I didn't do what everybody else was doing, which is actually pretty telling about who I am because I don't like to do, to conform, but anyways, that's another story, but, um, 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 I have been living in New York City for almost 30 years. Um, this is the one place that has kept me um, constantly entertained at the right energy level. And um, so I love being here. And so have had my last 25, 30 years of my career here in New York City. Um, and actually, before I started my current company at Studio, I was a business school professor for the last 12 years at Fordham University here in New York City. And prior to that, I had a variety of jobs in in marketing and market research. But I consider myself almost—I was a a professional student. I was always going back to school. You know, working—you know—ultimately got three degrees, um, largely while I was working at the same time, and which made it take you know longer to get through. But I do—I think like oh my god—I really started my professional career, my real career, um, like in my early forties to be honest. So I am mm. like a lifelong learner, kind of a nerd at heart. Um, and then after I finished uh, my PhD, you know, just being in the classroom is something that mm. still made me super happy. I just happened to be in the other side. Um, mm being the teacher instead of the learner. Although, boy, you learn just as much as you, you know, when you're teaching as well. But anyway, um, so I've had kind of a weird, you know, uh, professional background, but um, all roads led me here to New York City and to fulfilling this career um, as a lifelong learner and, and really trying to change um, kind of traditional learning, teaching, training. I've seen from, again, multiple angles, um, what some of the shortcomings are and how things could be better mm-hmm. for learners and whether that's, you know, higher ed or adult learners. And so, yeah, everything's kind of led me into this this point in my life. Um, and I feel finally now, and I don't have to tell my age, but at this point in my life, I'm finally at the place that I think I always was supposed to be, or the, everything led me to what I'm doing now. So this is kind of my um, this is my career. This is what I'm finally uh, launching at this late stage of my life. Not like You've I'm arrived.
0: <laughs> I've and, arrived, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just watching this cooking show uh, on Netflix and this chef, it was saying, he's a Michelle and Star chef, and he said, um, everything that you do in your 20s and 30s, you're only student, you're only learning. When you Mm -hmm. come to your 40s and 50s, then that's when you actually become a somebody who's making a a real contribution to the world.
1: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, and then you also have taken the time to become, if it's a subject matter expert or something, or knowing your craft really well, um, Mm -hmm. and understanding you know who who you're serving or what problems there are to solve, and yeah. yeah that you're right that does it takes time to figure that out and where you wanna your your role in it, and I think all yeah. of us are you know have that opportunity to address an issue, a problem yeah you know in the world and um yes, yeah, so it's very rewarding to finally be at that point, I have to say, yeah, that's awesome, so what brought you to New York um uh I was living in Connecticut prior to to being in New York and I just every time I came here to visit I I remember driving up the west side highway as I was leaving and I'd look back and I would point out the window I'm like I'm gonna live there someday (laughs) okay like I just knew like it I I loved to move when I was younger and tried different places in the United States but I there the vibe and the energy I so thrive at the you know this type of energy Whew. Yeah, So um, I knew I was going to live here eventually, and I just yeah. I don't want to leave. <laughs>
0: yeah. You know, I didn't get it before, and I've, I've visited New York multiple times as a tourist, and I'm not sure whether if it was a jet lag or the season that I was in at the time. It was always usually the dead of winter. I didn't quite like New York as, as a tourist, mm-hmm. but as someone who's currently a resident, I really appreciate that energy that you talk about, the mm-hmm. diversity, the polar opposites of you know the exact same thing like for example catching the subway it's a salty factory system but then you catch a subway at nine o'clock in the morning and you hear someone playing guitar so beautifully and you get to appreciate both sides of the same coin so it's it's <laughs> such a beautiful city okay so it's it, it sounds like it's been like a lifelong goal for you to finally live here um what about academia life you mentioned that you've had a wide range of experiences that led you here what what
1: brought you to this space oh boy like I said I was a late bloomer when it came to higher ed I uh, you know to going to college I didn't really know what I wanted to do uh, where to go when I wanted to move and like I was just trying to figure out figure myself out um mm-hmm. which is always a good experiment in your 20s but um, going back to what I said earlier that I don't like to conform. I just didn't want to do what everybody else was doing. So I took some time to figure out who, who am I? Where do I want to go? And then I finally realized, um, you know, that I really enjoyed learning Mm -hmm. and, um, it's just so weird. I don't know. It's such a hodgepodge. I had you know, different jobs and stuff, just didn't find my place. But I always loved to be in the classroom. I loved going to the bookstore and smelling the books. Like it just like yeah. learn. Yeah. Something, <laughs> something that really drew me in. And so you know, um, again, I had random jobs here in New York City and marketing and stuff, but nothing was really fulfilling. And then I went and got my MBA. And I, that was like one of the best times of my life. Those two and a half years, and this was pre 911 too. So the world was different. But um I loved, I loved being in school. It was a high for me. It was mm-hmm. a high. Mm-hmm. And um so Eventually I did, of course, go back and get my my PhD after working for a little bit. That was a bucket list item for me. But again, being back in the classroom and being a student again, I think I really identify with being a student. And frankly, if there was another degree beyond a PhD, another level, I probably would go for that too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I really don't have the time to do that, but I, I have thought about even going getting an engineering degree. Um <laughs> Yeah, really. Like, I love yeah. it. I want to know more, but there are other ways to learn without, um, yeah. you know, without I having did. to go into a program. <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um So yeah, again, professional student for so long and um, I didn't know exactly where my PhD was going to take me. I had thought I would do, um, be more of a researcher and teach on the side and it actually flipped. So I ended mm-hmm. up spending more of my time in the classroom um, and not really doing research. And, and mm. that's totally cool with me because I really enjoyed being in the class with the students mm. and having an impact on them. Um, so a lot of academics, um, especially if you're tenure track, your job is to, to research, publish your perish, right? And I never went on the tenure track. Um, mm. It wasn't an option for me and I'll spare you all the details, but I didn't really care. I love to be in the class. Like I said, Mm -hmm. with students and I think I could have much more impact with way more people by being in a classroom versus writing an article that not nobody reads. So um, I just kind of made my again, I kind of made up my own gig. I was the director of entrepreneurship at um Fordham University and built out the whole program and hire people to to teach in the program and just do things differently I I I refuse to get textbooks or use textbooks and do exams and multiple choice tests with the Scantron and and all that stuff I just I just did everything differently and I was I felt like I was often labeled as other in -hmm. quotes um, while I was working in higher ed, but I, I didn't care. I liked it. I knew that what I was doing was right and best for the students. Um, and so that was a great, um, uh, tenure for lack of a better word. Um, while I was in higher ed, I I, Mm -hmm. I loved it. What I didn't like was, um, the established systems within these institutions that actually, um, kind of suppress innovation, whether it's from mm-hmm. faculty, um, you know, leadership, or even the students, and I hated that. Yeah. And so that actually led me to leaving um, and starting my own ed tech company. And I've got a lot of vision for what this company can be from for different segments. But yeah, I left my nice cushy uh, mm-hmm. academic career. Mm. Um, to start this so but, but it's okay it's like I said it's everything that I've done and learned and built so far I really feel like it's led me to do exactly what I'm doing right now so that feels good
0: I was speaking to another professor earlier this year, Mats Oda. He's a professor from Lund University. And Mm -hmm. he was saying, I asked him a similar question. I I asked him, why are you an academic? And he said, because he loves the idea of knowledge sharing that comes from being an academic. And he said, but he loves the idea, not the institution that comes with everything (laughs) else that you've just described. Um, And I can totally relate being a lifelong learner. I'm a nerd at heart as well. And I I really, what you mentioned before, it's such a high, it really is such a high. So I'm, I'm currently studying the MBA and it's probably been one of the most amazing few months um, ever just meeting amazing people, you know, academics just like yourself who are really not just talking the concepts but actually walking the talk. Here you are. Um, so with you've been um, teaching entrepreneurship and now you are doing entrepreneurship. With yep. Ed Studio. Can you tell us a little bit more about your vision, what problem you're trying to solve, and how you're solving it?
1: Absolutely. Gosh, I, I talk about this every day. So, <laughs> okay. Um so I started working on Ed Studio. Um actually the the thing that pushed me over the edge was the the pandemic. I've mm. I've been kind of devouring anything I could get my hands on for years about the future of learning, the future of education, what it could be, should be. And of course, being inside the animal, I learned a lot um, Mm. about possibilities and and what not to do. Mm. And so during the pandemic, just seeing how we all had to adjust to teaching online and Mm. seeing a lot of resistance um, and just like with faculty um, and other administrators that we had to adopt. We had to adopt something we couldn't control. Or adapt to something we can control and adopt a new technology. And I for the pandemic, I'm very grateful that it pushed us to start mm-hmm. using more technology. Otherwise, mm-hmm. this would have been kind of kicking the can down the road and you know, not not having to integrate new tech out of necessity. So yeah. anyway, that experience was eye-opening to me. Mm-hmm. I I loved, I kind of like disruption in a weird way. Um, and I love the fact that we like, okay, cool. We're going to use technology and we have to be new tech and we have to be prepared. We didn't know in the fall of 2020, if we would be going back to class or not. So we had to be prepared face-to-face situations, completely online or some sort of hybrid. And the, all my classes were set up no matter what. I was like, good to go. And I just, I love the, the the variety of it, but a mm. lot of people don't think that way. And, and especially if you know, some older academics, I'm sorry, but if they've been there teaching a certain way for decades, Mm -hmm. it was very difficult to make that change. And I thought, man, at the end of the day, we have to do this for the students. It's like, you've Mm -hmm. got to get out of your comfort zone. And aren't you lifelong learners too? And don't you Mm -hmm. want to learn more about technology and the future of learning? Mm -hmm. And so anyway, that resistance that I saw and experienced just kind of blew my mind. I was like, oh my God. And I- So I started doing my own research um, for my own company and kind of talking to people about, you know, does this idea even have legs? So my original vision for Studio was to create an alternative university that would go head to head with the traditional institutions and a four-year college degree, um, but something that was much more affordable um, much more accessible. There's so many people, especially in the U S that tuition's out of control. And there's so many people that just get closed out of the, 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 the option is not even on the table for them. They just could never afford this. And then for everybody else, it's either your parents are like coughing up their, you know, their retirement savings or the students get buried in debt. Like that whole situation just really bothers me. And I've also experienced that myself, you know, putting myself through three degrees, to my graduate degrees here in New York City. If you want to do the math, I'm happy to share these horrific numbers, but I got buried in debt too. And it, I felt like it was a punishment whenever I had to pay the monthly payments, it was suffocating. And I'm like, oh, man, I know this is a big problem. I know rising tuition, the student loan debt issue, the fact that students aren't learning in step with the demands of the workplace. And um, I wanted to address all those things. Mm. So here's my alternative university. It's like, okay, why can't we, why do we have to take four years? How about two years? How do we like cut that tuition or the the cost of the education way down and let's leverage um, experiential learning. I'm all about learning by doing Um, that's really where the magic happens. I can't, I really, I've seen one too many student, you know, in a class um, or just think about their whole college career where they're usually sitting in in the classroom as a passive learner and being spoken to. Um, and then he regurgitates something on an exam, and you walk out the door, and then he hears your degree. We're not really preparing them for mm. a real job and a, a career. And then, you know, they're not learning how to think and the problem solve it, like they should be. Um, and then also the skills that they're learning. Um, mm. There is this massive skills gap in this country and probably globally. And it's just ridiculous. Mm. It's like we're higher ed is not listening to what employers are looking for. What do they need? And the you think about where. What industries are booming? Where are the jobs? And so many of them land in the fields of like data science, um, cybersecurity, even digital marketing and analytics. And all these things are tech driven, except so many of our students aren't required to learn a whole heck of a lot of t- technology. Mm. This is one of the reasons why I am you know, a lot of people are not going to like this comment, but I am not a fan of liberal arts programs because these students are learning a little bit of everything, but they don't really have any like hard skills that Employers are looking for. And I kind of feel like they're just kind of being sold something that doesn't really have a lot of value. That's mm. a whole other story. But we are doing our students a disservice, but not really reinforcing um, the tech component. It doesn't mean you have to be a coder, but it means you need to understand the language of technology and you know any business. I don't, it doesn't matter what industry or sector you're in. Um or we're all going through this digital transformation. And those folks who can understand that will do so well in our careers. So again, I, I just didn't feel that we were serving our students as well as we should. And I'm like, there's gotta be a better way. So the, all these things kind of led me to starting Studio. And I love to share this, um, this model that um, it's, it was created by Edgar Dale and it's called the cone of learning or the cone of experience. And it's actually a pyramid shape and it explains, you know um, about learner engagement and retention. So like at the very tippy top, it's like, okay, we remember about 5% of what we read. i think about that. Mm. And if that's one of our primary ways of teaching people is like, mm, uh, I don't mm. know below that. It's like, okay, we remember about 10% of what we hear. Okay. Or view, you know, mm. um, passive, still passive learning. Um, and at the very bottom is we remember, um, 90% of what we actually do ding 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 that's what I'm focusing on and I think that is just like that that's that's the answer, and so everything that I wanted to create for it studio was based on that learning by by doing that experiential learning, because, you know, the engagement goes way up and also of course the retention. I often use the example of swimming. It's like, you can't, you could read a million books about how to swim, but if you don't go in and do it yourself, how are you ever going to learn? And how are you ever going to know what it feels like to float, to, to, you know, mm. go into the water, keep yourself moving, whatever. Right. So that's mm. kind of my little analogy. So the other component that was key to my original vision was um, just getting away from grades and teaching. Mm to the grade, teaching for tests, um, the students get so wrapped up. I know I got to get a 4.0 or I need an A. And a lot of times they can weasel their way through to get an A, but they really don't learn much. Um, and then ultimately they come out with a piece of paper. They have a degree as that piece of paper, but they also, their resume is another piece of paper. And yeah. That doesn't really tell the whole story of who this person is and their capabilities and their skill set. It's so antiquated to me. Now, mm. I know we have LinkedIn, and that's a, a step in the right direction, absolutely. But I thought, let's get rid of all these things that just don't work. And, and then ultimately, taking what the learners learn and be able to showcase it on mm. like a digital portfolio that becomes like a living, breathing dynamic it's not even a document it's it would be you know in a in a, a digital file that has a unique url that the learners could share with a potential employer and in that way there's no guessing the the students can actually put on there this is what i created this is what i built this is what i learned this is what i developed and here's examples of it so mm-hmm. you know you don't have to guess do you really know how to do x yes mm-hmm. i did it That was my original idea. And what I learned um, is that it's very hard to change people's mindsets and perceptions on what education is supposed to be and to, to look like. And the expectations that if you don't go to college, you're not going anywhere in your life, and blah, blah, blah. And so that's going to take a little bit of time to change people's perceptions. Um, so you know, ran some roadblocks with that, but then at the same time, um, Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. He has this announcement about the metaverse and changing their name to Meta. Um, And that big, you know, I don't Mm. know if you remember that in the the fall of, I guess it was 2021. Um, You know, and it just made the metaverse um, and VR much more household name uh, Mm. that people are paying attention to. Um, And at the, about the same time, I remember reading about um, companies like Accenture that were investing in the technology and buying all these headsets. And and remember we're in the thick of managing virtual and hybrid teams and mm. like, you know, thinking of convenient or not convenient. Yeah, convenient, but innovative ways to keep people connected mm. um, and collaborate and communicate and still play and work and learn and do all that stuff together, even though we were apart. Um, so then I'm, I'm like, wow, there's an opportunity here. So a lot of little signals happened um, in the fall of 2021 that then um, made us pivot, not made us, we decided to pivot and focus more on um, on enterprise clients. So focusing on um, our audience then became not just not s- s- traditional students, but mm. corporate learning mm. development, HR, Um, diversity, equity, inclusion departments, um, talent management, and onboarding. So anything that's like heavy Mm -hmm. people-focused where they're responsible for training, teaching, upskilling, collaboration, that sort of thing. So those are our target audiences now. And so Mm -hmm. what we're we're suggesting to these folks is to take what you already have. Um, So for example, what are you doing now for onboarding new employees? what we're suggesting is VR enhanced learning. So it's not saying replace everything that you've done in the past with VR and be in virtual reality 24 seven. It's like, where does it make sense to give people a like kind of a a psychologically safe environment for people to apply those skills, to practice, to make mistakes, to experiment, whatever, um, until they feel, you know, either they build their confidence, they build their comfort level, they build their skills level. It could be giving critical feedback. It could be about negotiating. It could be on leadership skills. But having this virtual space is such an awesome way to connect people in this different dimension. So again, no matter where people are geographically, they can meet Mm -hmm. up in this space, feel connected, feel part of their team and continue learning in a much more immersive, engaging way than Zoom. Like we've all moved to Zoom, these these virtual meetings. And when people, I kind of laugh when people talk about, uh, you know, virtual learning and virtual training and really what they're talking about is is like a Zoom session. It's like, that's really not really. (laughs) No, that's not like immersive virtual learning. So we're trying, you know, people are getting fatigued with um, Zoom and that type of interface. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the timing is, is great and really ripe for having this other option and medium, if you will, to connect people um, through virtual reality um, and using different forms of immersive technology, whether it's VR or augmented reality or mixed reality. So it's super exciting. And we know that the metaverse is you know, behind us. It's happening. It's coming. It's at web three. So we've got that wind under our wings. You know, I know it's not a fad. Um, so it's like really trying to be at the forefront um, in um, when it comes to learning. So like I said before, I'm, everything that I've done in the past has led me to this point that I can be creative and innovative and leveraging technology and addressing Problem, you know, there are mm-hmm. multiple problems, but if we're gonna focus on just with um like with with corporate um any type of upskilling training onboarding, it's like, yeah, all these things that just happened with the pandemic, and now that people are a little more dispersed, or maybe the company already was globally dispersed, it's like wow, this is such an affordable, convenient alternative to really mm-hmm. connect people. So um, yeah, all roads led me to. <laughs> here that was a <laughs> long answer sorry <laughs> no it's it's
0: good to see you're very passionate and obviously you've thought about it a whole lot and it's evolved yeah. a lot as well ever yeah. since. So I'd like to go back to um when you were still in Connecticut I guess. Can you tell us what was the young Christine like? did you always know
1: that you were going to be a mom then? Oh my God no <laughs> No, I'm very much into my career in school um. You know, I, I moved to the city when I was just turning 30. And it's a very interesting dynamic. And okay, we're not talking about Connecticut here, but the, the younger version of me. Um, living in New York City, there's so much opportunity. There's so much to do. It's It's like just having a ball as a young person. And it was kind of funny, but most of my girlfriends and I were so busy, with our careers that we, you know, we're starting to reach our late thirties, almost 40. And it's like, Oh, we forgot to have kids get married. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. It was so weird, but it's not like we were, had like sacrifice. We were having a ball. It's just Mm. a fun place to be. And there's just opportunity around every corner. Mm. Um, and I always struggled. I wish I I would say this. I wish I had two lives, one that I could just, you know, go and, you know, do the mom thing, move out to the suburbs, yeah. um, and then do the career thing. It's very hard, as you yeah. know, and most working moms know it is hard to do both. And God, I remember this this conversation would come up again and again when I was working um you know a regular corporate job, you know, and the women were always like, So what's the golden answer? Like, how do you find work-life balance? You know, this we're all yeah. talking about it. And it's like, you know yeah. what? There is no no. There is no don't exist. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not. And it's like you do your best with both. And that's where I think, you know, women who are, you know, really want to do 150% and raising their family and 150% of their career, realizing that they can't do that. And maybe it's 75% for your career and 75% with your family, which is not great no matter how you slice and dice that. But yeah. um yeah, I was very much into career and being, you know, a student, I was really busting my rear, especially working on my doctorate. And it's like, I don't have time. I didn't like, Mm. I didn't even think about kids. I didn't have time to get married. Like it wasn't on my radar. Um, and, and eventually that changed when I was in my early forties. Um, and I have, um, I, I got married. I had one, um, child, she's actually almost 13 at this point. Um, but I've been a single mom, um, for the last nine years or so which is another thing you don't really plan for. It's like talk throw about talk about throwing some more fuel on the fire, okay? <laughs> so, yes, being a single parent while building a career um was certainly challenging. I mean, for a while there I felt like I was a walking heart attack and it was just like hmm. you know, and then I've always thought about this too with um single moms and like, wow, how do you do it? And Mm -hmm. then uh, all of a sudden I'm one and I, people ask me and I'm like, I don't know, you just do, you just Mm -hmm. do day after day and you do your best. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's no golden answer. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about your, uh, your daughter? What is she She like? She's awesome. She's, um, well, she's taller than me now, which is like embarrassing. Not that I'm not, not very tall. Um, but she is, um, in seventh grade and uh, she goes to school here in New York city and she's into, uh, she's turned into my sporty spice and she's into basketball and softball and volleyball. And I mm. love that about her because for a while, you know, life was all around TikTok and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, please go out and be active. So now I'm like super happy. Cause I'm a sporty one too. Um, so she's totally into that. And, um, yeah, we live here in New York city. We got a, a um, a dog that we're, we were passionate about our dachshunds, our little low riders. And, um, we just have our groove going on here. We've been a team, you know, uh, yeah. for the last, uh, nine years, just the two of us. So yeah. it works. Yeah. that's awesome. She's a good kid. She's smart and she's funny. And if I could, if she's got a good sense of humor, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, it's not <laughs> hard to imagine where she got it from. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so she was she was about four when you guys split. Was there any particular
1: thing that really got you through that phase? Oh, my God. A lot of wine. Kidding. Kidding. <laughs> sort of. Um, you know what? I can't even remember Jane. I feel like it's such a blur. Um, I don't know. You know what? I do have to say this being, a professor and having that academic lifestyle was a lifesaver for me because I only had to go into work maybe two, three days a week. Those other Mm. days I could be at home. Mm. Um, you know, she would go to daycare a couple of days, but otherwise I could spend time with her and I could take her to swim lessons or whatever it might be. And then I would have a month off at Christmas time and then I'd have the summers free and do things with her. So God, I can't imagine if you, you know, for the women have to do a regular nine to five, you know, 48, 50 weeks of the year that, Oh my God, that's going to be so hard. So I'm super grateful. That's kind of how I got through this. It was a very flexible lifestyle as a professor. That's Mm. awesome.
0: Okay. And so she's uh, almost 13 now going through the base. How are you dealing with that?
1: (laughs) Well, just over the last couple of months, she's, she is now at a point where she doesn't really want to hang out with me. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm not cool. I'm annoying. And you know what? I am cool. But um <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, she's uh yeah, transitioning to this teenager. And, and I seem yeah. to think about well, how was I when I was that age? And I was very independent too, and I, you know, similar. But from a parent perspective, it's actually like it kind of hurts. It's like, wait a minute, you don't want to hang out and watch a movie with me? You don't want to snuggle like we used to? No, 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 no. Um, so uh, a lot of parents, especially uh, when it comes to daughters will say, oh, they'll come around. They'll eventually come back and they'll realize, you know, the relationship they have with you, but I'm kind of in the thick of it right now that mm. I'm, mm. I'm annoying. Um, mm. and, uh, but so how do you, how do you, how do you deal with that? I just try to support, I don't know what the heck she's going through. I mean, what yeah. like these teenagers, these teenagers, I'm shaking my finger even even thinking about when you were a young girl it's like we grew up in a different time Mm -hmm. and and so Mm -hmm. a lot of the things that she's going through I don't I don't really I don't know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's 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 about being there for her and supporting her whatever it is because yeah school is hard and teenagers can be so mean and Mm -hmm. whatever so I just need she just needs to know that I'm there to uh to support her and I'm her best friend when she wants to go shopping then (laughs) then she likes to hang out with me you still have leverage (laughs) by the sound of it (laughs) totally
0: okay so now you're an entrepreneur and you have a family you have a dog how are you juggling everything that's going on in your life
1: you know i was reading oh no 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 it was a it was an audio book um about the venture capital world and the guy that was uh that wrote the book um, was talking about life as an entrepreneur. And he said, you know what? Um, you don't sleep well. Um, your health, your health, your health kind of goes yeah. to hell. Um,
0: yeah.
1: and you sacrifice your social life. And he was like, you yeah, know those three things. I yeah. mean, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, <laughs> you don't sleep yeah. a lot. Um, yeah. you know, your head just kind of races, Um, and I don't get to the gym like I would like to. I do feel like I sacrifice even time with my daughter because I'm working Mm. even on the weekends, like all the time. Um, and absolutely I hardly see my friends. Um, but this is where I am right now, and I have to do this. Um, I'm not going on vacations and you know, money's tight. It's just the nature of the game. And but it's okay because as exhausting as this is, at least I'm doing something that I love. And I'm I'm carving out a new path. Um, I would much rather be where I am now and exhausted than being at a job that I like. It's mindless and I don't enjoy and being exhausted. So I remind myself of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. I just kind of am like going through my. I kind of feel like it's Groundhog Day every day. You know that movie? Um, Because and I work from home too. So in my apartment in New York City. So. (laughs) I go from my bedroom to my desk, to the kitchen, back to my desk, back to the kitchen, back to my bedroom. And it's like, Oh my God, every day is like, I'm going to lose my marbles. Um, so getting out to the gym is my, my saving grace and, um, actually do some great thinking, um, when I'm at the gym, but I don't know, Jane, it's just, um, I, I, do remind myself that this is a temporary phase. This isn't how the rest of my life is going to be. And I'm so willing to sacrifice these things right now for what's about to come. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel like it was the same thing when I went uh, to get my PhD, it took me seven years. I sacrificed so much and was mm-hmm. broke and all that, but you know, I, I it was for an ultimate goal, um, and, and nobody can ever take that away from me. Um, mm. I used to be big into marathons too, and it was like, talk about the sacrifice, mm. the hard training. And it engulfed it my life for a couple of decades, but I loved it because it was mm. so rewarding. And that ultimate goal of being able to complete that that not just the race, but it was this massive achievement and very goal oriented. So the bigger the goal, the more the sacrifice, the more the rewarding. Mm.
0: Um
1: the more rewarding so i don't know i i just that's that's what drives me and i again this is like kind of my penultimate um career moment and i love 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 it's a high it is equally yes. exhausting as it is exciting and um I think that high is what really gets me through and to see all these small victories, whether it's like, you know, first time we brought in some revenue or adding another person onto our team and making progress with potential clients, um, you know, raising money, all these things. Um, And I've learned a ton. Okay. There's that nerdy part again. I've learned so much. In the last two and a half years, um, that is really fulfilling too. So we'll get there, Jane. I, I I don't wish this time away, even as challenging as it is and, you know, full of sacrifice and not a lot of sleep. This is this is the journey. I don't mm-hmm. wish this away. It's, it's almost like my daughter's phase right now, even though it might be a kind of a crummy time, I don't wish it away because this is part of the journey as being a mom or part of her journey as being a teenager. And so it's Okay it's, it's the story. So, um, I don't know. I, I love it. And I, I would sit and think about, um, you know, you have those days or moments. It's like, God, what am I doing? Is this, is this the right thing? Can I do this? Whatever. And I don't, I don't really self-doubt myself, but you have those, those moments if you have a bad day. And then I thought, okay, if this the whole thing fell through, what would I be doing? And I would go through the the thought process and I would come full circle and go, I'd be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so keep going. Cause this is where yeah. my heart is. This is where the opportunity is. This is where my passion is. And it's just, you know, it's like, keep going. Um, hmm. And this is what separate, you know, if entrepreneurship was that easy, everybody would be doing it. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's super exciting. So I'm just going to say I'm living on fumes and, um not necessarily how long that lasts lasts. (laughs) I know another quote that I heard I think it was from the same uh, audio book the guy was like I don't know I sleep like a baby every night like as an entrepreneur and it's like why you know you take a second to think about that and he's like yeah I wake up every couple of hours crying (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> <was> that's perfect! <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh dear. Um. So, how many marathons have you run? Uh,
1: eleven. Wow. What was the toughest, and why? Oh boy. Uh, my toughest one was uh Napa Valley, um, and that was my last marathon. Um, and it was because I I got injured in the very beginning. And, um, uh, I was like, that was the first time I actually had family come to watch me in a race and it was just a disaster. I'm like, this isn't how it's supposed to work. I ended up in the first aid tent for a while. My time was just a disaster. Um, but actually this is a good story because I was not going to give up. I, I walked, I limped. I, you know, I'd stop when I needed to first aid. I'd I'd done something with my foot and my heel and I was so dumb. I mean, this oh, is like no. second, the second mile, you know, and I had trained so hard. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going over this finish line no matter what. And I did. And it took me like six hours. But the time I got to the finish line, they had already taken down the finish banner. Like everybody was gone, but I was like, yep. damn it, I'm going to finish this. Yep. And um, I guess that just shows like yeah. the kind of person that I am. But um, I, I just had to finish that. But well, what ugh. happened? What happened oh, on the second happened? mile? I I, I had some, um, like heel spurs and I had injured my, my ankle and my heel. This had been, um, an issue that was brewing for months and I didn't even realize it, but it just all came to the head on race day, which things like that can happen. You could prepare and have the best training season and you never know what happens on race day. So it just sucked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was just a horrible, but you finished, I did, I did, um, yeah, I don't have the the time to train like that anymore. So I'm, I'm kind of done with my marathon days. But
0: If you could give your younger self one advice, I guess the Christine that just finished high school, knowing all of the wealth of knowledge that you have now, what advice would you give the younger Christine?
1: One thing that comes to mind right off the bat is to not worry so much about what other people think about you and your choices and to really follow your heart and your gut and what's important to you, um, carve out your own path. Um, and that leads to probably one of the biggest bits would be to not be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to fail. We were so programmed like that. And I, it always bothered me too with my my college students um, that we didn't want to fail at anything. Sports, relationships, this and that. And it's like, man, that's where you grow. And it's, don't be afraid to throw your hat in the ring to try something. There's, the, when we're younger, we're so often uh, worried about, oh, I'm going to look dumb or somebody's going to be disappointed with me or uh, I don't want, yeah, I don't want to look bad. I don't want to be labeled that I failed at something and I didn't succeed. And so most people play it safe, um, just to avoid those experiences. And it's like, man, I I really, you know, this kind of leads me to what drives me is that I don't want to be on my deathbed going coulda, shoulda, woulda. And I've learned as I've gotten older, that's like, what do you have to lose? Like, try, just try. Um, if there are things you really want to pursue or, um, just even this business, like even if this, this bombed, which it won't, but even if it did, at least I know I tried and I gave it my best and I pushed this industry forward and I evolved on that there. It's not a total loss. There's a lot of good to come out of that. So I think, um, I've learned that over the years. And so I wish as I, you know, as I was younger, that's like, you know, there's a lot of lost opportunities that you just didn't pursue because you sit and talk yourself out of it or somebody else talks you out of it or the, you know, what ifs and being so uncertain. Mm. And so I guess having more confidence and more chutzpah and more of a risk taker mindset um, and not being so worried about, you know, I mean, I'm not saying going to throw a throw caution to the wind and be stupid about it. I mean, you got to think about things, but being okay with taking a chance and no matter yep. what the outcome is, um, I don't know, that's where life happens. That's, uh, I, I love that. So I think that's what I would probably tell myself, um, to, to push myself earlier.
0: Yep, That's beautiful.
1: Do you have an alpha mom song?
0: So when things are going crazy at work, you have a lot of demand from investors, customers, uh, your staff, your daughters giving you hell.
1: <laughs> and
0: um, and personally, you don't feel well as well. What song, what one song do you play on the back of your mental mind to make it through the day?
1: Ah, um, oh, my God, I don't have any one specific song, but I will usually put on I'm uh, Rolling Stones uber fan. And I wasn't so much when I was younger. Cause when I was younger, I thought, oh man, these guys are old. They're not going to be around very long. And then just later in life, I really like to kind of return to digging all this old classic rock and roll. And now I'm obsessed with them. So any, anything that, you know, I've got some of my favorite stone songs, but anything with the Rolling Stones is what will get me feeling good and hyped up and like Resilient, so So that would be my go to.
0: Awesome, okay. Well, Christine, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. I really appreciate it. I guess that's a last note for all breadwinning moms out there who are currently in the middle of either a separation or divorce Mm -hmm. and finding it really hard to juggle both, let alone keeping their mental state uh, composed. What one advice would you give them if there was just
1: one thing that they could do each and every day? I have a couple of glasses of wine. <laughs> They're probably doing that already. Um, I know people say this, and I don't, I did not subscribe to this fully, but it is so true. It's like you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of everybody else. And I've always been a gym rat. Like that's one of my happy places. I know not everybody is like that, but finding time to exercise and get some of your energy or frustration or whatever emotions out through the gym is an awesome way to expend that energy and to feel better about yourself at the same time. So that's one thing that should never fall off your plate. Um, because not only will it help you feel better, it just seems like mentally keeps you a little more balanced. Um, so and besides, you know, you have to keep working out to you know, work off all the calories from all the wine. So it's just like a nice day. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's um, a very sustainable cycle. <laughs> there
1: you go. Well, Hey, listen, if that's something that makes you happy and you know, whatever, um, yeah. but, but it is, you cannot go in search of that. What is that one answer? The perfect work-life balance. Um, hopefully because of the pandemic, hopefully some people are able to work more from home and, and find a little more work balance. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome that we can do this now that parents can actually go in the middle of the day to, to a conference Mm. or see a kid in an event where that was so much harder before. So Mm. again, silver lining from the pandemic. Um, but I really would say you've got to, I know it sounds so cliche, but you really got to take care of yourself first. Um, to be the best version of you and it doesn't mean a perfect version of you but the best that you can at the time and also remind yourself like it's not forever like the state of trying to you know juggle these boulders is you know it goes so fast too um i find it hard to even remember some of the things like the qu- questions that you're throwing at me or what was it like back then like i don't know because it's like you're going so fast 100 miles an hour you're just trying to blah, 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 blah. <laughs> mm. so take care of yourself. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Christine. <laughs> You're so welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. It was so fun.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Breadwinning Mums. Please subscribe and leave us some feedback so we can continue to make the show better for you. If you know a fellow breadwinning mum, please share the show so we can cheer each other on. Until next time.